Good morning. I'm Tom Hart, RUF campus minister right here at East Carolina, ARG. Uh, this morning, we're going to kind of continue, uh, I, I, I feel like I'm going to do a variation on a theme that, uh, that we've been going through in this Advent season, the, the theme of longing for home and uh, looking for something uh, deep and real and lasting uh, in the midst of this Christmas season. So uh, please open your Bibles with me, or look, screen maybe, uh, at Romans chapter 8, verses 18 to 27. And hear the word of the Lord. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. This is God's word. Please pray with me. Lord, we come to you this morning and ask your help. We always need your help when we come to your word. We need your help to understand it, to perceive it, to believe it, to be changed by it. Uh, Lord, I need your help to preach it. So we ask that, Holy Spirit, you would do what you do and make this time uh, a powerful and dynamic time. We pray that you would open our ears and our hearts and our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. My older brother, Hank, is, uh, is four years older than me. And uh, when he was about three years old, so just before I was born, he had his first Christmas where he kind of knew what was going on. And it was a very exciting time for Hank. My mom is a little bit of a Santa Claus fanatic. And so she makes a very big deal out of that. And Hank, you know, was old enough to pick up on the excitement of Santa Claus coming. And, uh, you know, that, that, that threw him into a tizzy. And uh, Christmas morning came and the excitement was fulfilled when all of these presents were waiting on him uh, on Christmas morning. And he, he got to open them and play with all the toys and, uh, and enjoy the, the banquet of Christmas. And we had... You know, he had friends and family over all the time. He wasn't in his normal routine. It was just a joyous time, and, and he was eating it up. And uh, 
Christmas, as it does, passed. And uh, a, a few weeks after Christmas Day, my mom started taking down the decorations, taking the lights off the tree, putting stuff in boxes, and my brother just lost it. He had, ju- he had enjoyed Christmas so much, and it was, it was over, and he, he, he felt that. And my mom, you know, went to him and lovingly said, Hank, what's the matter? What's, you know, what's wrong? And he said, Christmas is over. And she said, Hank, it's okay. Christmas will come back next year. And he said, how do you know? And we laugh about that a lot in my family. Um, and I mentioned that because, as has already been mentioned in this service so far, I think Christmas is a time of year that, has, uh, that provides us so much hope and joy. And it really, it's the, it's the time of the year when, we, when we're the merriest and most joyful often, but it's also a time when we can be the most sad and frustrated. You know, it's, it's the most wonderful time of the year, and the whole year kind of builds to it, and it's, it's this big thing that we expect to be great, and we have dreams about the family getting together and sitting around the dining room table and candles and lights and Christmas music playing over and over, and us just enjoying being together and feasting and giving gifts and feeling the warmth of being at home. And sometimes we get glimpses of that, but often we walk away on December 26th or 28th or whatever it is thinking, was that it? Is it, has, that's, that's all? It's over? We feel my, like my little, well, my big brother when he was little, just kind of empty and longing for something more. My hope this morning is that as we, as we meditate on this passage before us, uh, that it can meet us where we are. People who um, have just come through, are on the other side of Christmas and are feeling maybe the, the, the holiday hangover this morning. And I hope that, uh, that the passage can give us a little bit of hope in this moment. So there are two key themes that I want us to look at. And conveniently, I didn't even have to work for this. In the Bible, they both start with the letter G. Yeah. So we're going to look at groaning and glory. And we're going to start with groaning. And as we start, I want to ask a question. What is groaning? It's mentioned repeatedly in this passage. And... Your first day in seminary, they tell you when, when a word is repeated like six times in one passage that you need to pay attention to that word because it's important. Uh, so we want to start out by thinking about what is the groaning that's mentioned. And I want to define it this way. The groaning in this passage is the perpetual longing we experience. It's the inability to find lasting satisfaction in this life. We see this in two ways. 
first, we see that we, as human beings living in this world, groan. Look at verse 23, uh, starting in the middle of the verse there. It says, We ourselves, who have the first fruit of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. One thing I want to notice about that is that that's talking about Christians. You know, sometimes we can think that being a Christian is supposed to make our life better. It's supposed to give us our best life now. Um, but this, this passage tells us that actually being a Christian means that we're signing up for a life of groaning. Um, the groaning is kind of our native tongue in this world, whether we're a Christian or not. It's the language that we speak. And, you know, this is speaking to Christians, but if you, even if you're not a Christian, that's not something that's, that's hard to identify with. Um, but life is hard. It goes, in the beginning of our passage, in verse 18, you see a little bit more. It says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. So it gives us a hint right from the start that, uh, that the Apostle Paul is addressing a people who are suffering. Again, we don't have to think about it very hard, think about our lives very hard to recognize that life uh, has a lot of suffering in it. We groan because this world doesn't give us what we really want. We long for something more. But it's what, I think something that's really interesting about this passage is it's, it's not just we humans who groan. The passage actually says that the whole creation groans. You see this in verses 20 to 22 uh, when Paul writes, For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Paul is playing on the imagery that started way back in the beginning of the Bible, which was when Adam, the first man, and his wife Eve sinned and rebelled against God that the result of that was that God actually cursed the whole creation. The whole creation uh, went from being this perfect place of joy and fulfillment and where everything worked together and there was no death or sadness to a place in bondage to decay. That's a direct result of sin that entered the world way back at the beginning of the Bible. And Paul tells us that, that, that the creation, ever since the fall, has been groaning up until now. He says in, that in verse 22, for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. His point when he says until now is that this whole age is an age of groaning. We groan because we're longing for something more. The creation groans because it's not as it should be. 
this is an age of groaning. So what do we do with that? The passage has an answer for us uh, that's a little bit tough. It says in verse 25 that we wait with patience. We don't like to wait, and we don't like to have patience. Uh, what we like to do is get what we want now. And that's what we tend to do. We tend to live with this, with this belief, this lie. We live in a lie that we are right on the cusp of having a life without groaning. We tend to, to believe that uh, we're just one or two steps away in, in one or two areas of our life from finally getting it all together and having the life that we think we should have. I'll tell you how uh, I've been wrestling with this in my own life recently. My wife and I are trying to buy a house, and that's a really exciting thing. Um, it's an exciting time to think of ourselves as finally like growing up and owning property. And, you know, we started house hunting, and we were on Zillow like 40 hours a week. And uh, we were trying to do it on our own and uh, having some, some trouble, so we, we talked to a real estate agent, and that got things really hot and heavy. And uh, we started going and looking at houses and walking around and, you know, saying, oh, this kitchen's too small, or oh, this yard's no good, scratch that one off the list. Kind of feels good to do that at other people's houses. <laughs> and, we, and lo and behold, we found one that uh, we really like, and we're in the process of trying to buy it. And what I do is I find myself telling myself that when we get there and we get all our stuff moved in and settled and cleaned up and put away and everything's beautiful and my wife has done her design work, which she's really good at, and it looks awesome, that like, all right, then we'll have arrived. Smooth sailing from then on out. Yeah, the homeowners in the room are laughing at me, not with me. I know it's a lie, but I find myself like fantasizing about that moment. I'll give you another example that's in my own life. We have two little kids. Simon is two and a half, and Reagan is almost a year. And uh, we tell ourselves sometimes, you know, this is a really hard phase. But soon they're going to be a little older and it'll be a lot easier. <laughs> and now the parents in the room are laughing at me and not with me. I know it's a lie. I know that every phase is going to be hard. And that there, there is groaning to be done. But I try to act like that's not true. I want to believe the lie that in this life a day is coming when I will be grown free. Maybe it's not a house or kids for you, but I would bet that if you look in your heart, there are things that you're hoping are going to satisfy you in the not-so-distant future. Maybe it's 
uh, a career. Maybe you're coming up on the end of your college experience or grad school and, uh, and you're looking ahead to the day when you're not paying money to go to school, but you're actually getting money paid to you because you're doing a job. And you think, once I get there, all of this toil and late night studying will be over and I'll be good. Or maybe it's a spouse. Maybe you've longed for the day when you'd be married. And uh, maybe you know, that, know a person, you're dating them, y'all are trying to figure it out, or you haven't, you haven't found anybody at all. And you're telling yourself, dreaming about the day when your life is complete because you find that someone, and you two are so in love that it's just roses. I could go on, but I'll stop there. I, we, we believe the lie that this, that this life can give us satisfaction to our deepest desires, and that a day might come if we play this game right, where we will no longer have to groan. It's just not true. C.S. Lewis said this. He's got some big words, but it's good. If a trans-temporal, trans-finite good is our real destiny, then any other good on which our desire fixes must be in some degree fallacious, must bear at best only a symbolical relation to what will truly satisfy. The joys of this world, Christmas, family, spouses, careers, children, are things to be enjoyed. But when we try to, see, to, to squeeze out of them the truest, deepest satisfaction of our souls, they're always going to come up empty. Now that's the bad news. But I got good news because we've got glory coming. The other key theme in our passage uh, is glory. So we've got, we've, got, we've got groaning down. We understand groaning. Glory might be a little bit more difficult, but let's, let's try, all right? What is glory? Look at verses 18 and 19 with me. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us, to us, excuse me, to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. So what is this glory that's going to be revealed to us? I'll answer that this way. The glory is the glory of Christ bestowed upon us by God. Paul tells us that in this life, there is nothing but groaning, but a day is coming when God himself will give us all the glory of Christ, all the glory of God. He's going to bestow it on us. Now, that almost sounds heretical, but 
That's what it said. We're going to be partakers of God's glory. The glory, you know, we just had Christmas. You think about when the shepherds were out there in the fields and they were tending their sheep and all of a sudden the angel of the Lord appeared and his glory shined and filled up the sky and it freaked out the shepherds. They didn't want to hide. But that glory that was shining, God says he's going to bestow on us. We're going to be partakers in that glory. It's amazing. When will this happen? An important question. Because we've seen that ever since the fall until now, groaning has been the theme. It has been the lingua franca of creation. Groaning. So when is this day coming when we're going to be full of glory? Verse 23 tells us that it will be at the resurrection. Listen to what it says. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we eagerly await, excuse me, as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. The day that, that Paul is, is thinking about when he's talking about glory in this passage is the day when we will actually get up from the dead. I'm a pastor, newly a pastor, and it's still, just like when I say that out loud, that's, that's amazing. It, we're going to, if, if we're dead when the Lord Jesus returns, we're actually going to get back up and be alive again. And that day, when we do uh, get back up, our bodies are redeemed, will mark the end of this present age. It will mark the end of the days of groaning. And it will initiate a new eternal day where we will live in glory with Jesus forever. At the resurrection of our bodies, we will enter glory. And what will it do? That's I couldn't really think of a question to capture what what I want to get at with this last part, but when, when, when God uh, reveals the glory of uh, his glory to his children, what will that do? I want, you, I want us to, to park here for a minute. Look at verse 21. The creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. There's a lot packed into that little verse. Because as we said, ever since the fall, when humanity rebelled against God, the creation was cursed and it, was, it was, became a slave to, to decay. It, it was in bondage to decay. Ever since then, it's been groaning and waiting for something to change and, uh, so that it can function as it's supposed to. And when the Lord glorifies us, the creation will be set free. This passage is not just about us uh, having a new relationship with God or um, being in some, in some way more spiritual. What I, what I find enthralling about this picture 
is that the world that we live in, the physical body, the physical world, the universe, the stars, the dirt, the birds and, and, uh, and trees, the world that we live in is going to be there when we're resurrected. And it's going to be set free. It's going to be a world renewed and restored. It's no longer going to be marked by death or decay. It's going to be as it should be. If you were here on Christmas Eve, uh, Pastor Todd taught us about the new heavens and the new earth, and that's what this is talking about. The day when, uh, when everything, when shalom is restored and everything is made as it should be. So what do we do with that? Um, the command to wait is still there. I'm, I'm going to read that command again in verse 25. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Uh, we wait for the, groaning, the, the age of groaning to pass away. And the age of glory to come, when we will be re- redeemed, restored, resurrected, and given full life. But what do we do in the meantime? Okay, so we wait, and that's in some ways a frustrating command, I think. Uh, so I, I've meditated on this a little bit, and I would say that what we do is we become a people of feasting and fasting with an eye toward the age to come. We want to learn how to live in this life with an eye toward the age to come. Because I was thinking about Christmas and all the celebrations and the joy that we, that we can experience. And, you know, that's not all for naught. I don't want us to walk out of here with y'all thinking that I'm saying, yeah, next year don't celebrate Christmas because it's all a big sham. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying, and what I think the Bible is teaching us, is that we live in this world with a realistic expectation for what, uh, for what feasting is like, for what celebrating is like. When we celebrate Christmas next year, or when we, when we celebrate in other ways, in the year to, New Year's, for instance, we do it with an eye towards the age to come. We realize that, uh, that this life is not going to fill us, but it is pointing to a reality that is to come. So, for example, my house that uh, I'm trying to buy, when we do close on it and move in, and Shanae decorates it all up and it's looking beautiful, and we have a party and we invite everybody at the church sorry, Sinead, to, uh, to come and celebrate with us. We look forward to that day. We enjoy it. But we, we do so with a realistic expectation that it's only a shadow of the fullness of the thing to come. The resurrection is where our hope lies. But I also want to encourage us to do something proactive, um, which is fasting. I think that in our 
part of the church, we, we can be so scared of trying to earn our salvation that we're scared of things like fasting. But you know, Jesus did tell his disciples that when he was gone, that they would fast. Um, and I think that the reason we should do that is because we need to remind ourselves, we need to proactively remind ourselves that the life we're living, the age that we're living in, is the age of groaning. And self-denial in the midst of this life can help reinforce that. So I would encourage you to feast with an eye towards the age to come, but also to practice self-denial. Whether through just traditional old fasting by uh, withholding food, or maybe fasting uh, in the sense of giving away your time to, uh, to something like the Third Street Community Center, where some of our RUF students are making things happen. Uh, or maybe it's, um, it's, it's, it's a form of fasting with our money by, self, by being self-sacrificial so that we can give to the church in a more uh, impactful way. Either way, I, I would encourage you to, to, to think about that. How can we feast and fast with an eye toward the age to come? Shanae and I met in college, and uh, the whole, we started dating right before we graduated, uh, which was terrible, because we, actually she, gra- I'll, I'll get the details right, she appreciates it when I get the details right, she graduated, and I took an extra semester, okay, and so she moved off to Atlanta and got a job, and I was still in Athens, trying to finish school, and uh, we, we had started talking and dating right before we, we split up, but we dated for a year and a half, being several hours apart. Um, long distance is just the worst. And uh, we, we are, even though we were far apart, and we longed to be together, uh, we fell more and more in love, and we, we did, we got engaged after a year and a half. And when we got engaged, something changed. I would say our relationship both got better and it got worse. Because it, it, it made it easier and harder. Because there was all of a sudden this hope that the waiting was going to end, that we were going to be together. And we were both really excited about that. But at the same time, we weren't together yet. We had this new hope that we would be united. But at the same time, we had to wait for it. Uh, And that's a hard place to be. There's a tension there. Uh, But I'll tell you what, when when on on the long nights when we were on the phone for hours during that engagement, it sure did make it a lot easier to wait, knowing that we had a sure hope that our love would come to full fruition. In the same way, I would encourage us today 
to lean into that sure hope that the day is coming when groaning will end, when sickness and sorrow and pain and death will be wiped away. We will be in full union and communion with Jesus Christ forever. That can help us to wait. I pray that it will. Please pray with me. Lord, we thank you for your promises that are so good and sweet. That a day is coming when we will be satisfied. Lord, it's hard to wait. We suffer in this life. We groan in this life. We pray that the sure hope that we will be raised from the dead and be brought into your presence and we will receive your blessing. Well done, my good and faithful servant. We pray that that will sustain us and help us to carry on. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.